I will confess right off the bat um, that my title was really just to provoke some of you. Um, as you know, I grew up in an era that was much less enlightened than the one we live in today. And as a young boy, one of the greatest insults you could hurl at a peer was to say that they fought like a girl. I have since come to greatly respect and appreciate the many ways in which women fight and fight well. Uh, Today, I'm not talking about fighting like a girl, though. Instead, I want to celebrate the importance of leading like a woman. Uh, No doubt some of you have noticed in your Bible reading the fact that even though the cultures covered in the pages of scriptures were strongly, and strongly is probably too mild of a word, were strongly male-dominated cultures. In many of those environments, women were more of a possession than a person. But even in those male-dominated cultures, we often find women in Scripture providing significant leadership and influence. It is an exhaustive list, and I'm just going to skim over a couple. One is perhaps a name that doesn't roll on off most of our lips, but it is Zipporah. Zipporah was the wife of Moses. And again, going back to the book of Exodus, Moses was a man who God had called in a remarkable way. We read in Exodus chapter 3, he had called Moses to lead his people, the Israelites, out of slavery and bondage in Egypt. And they had that amazing encounter in Exodus chapter 13, excuse me, Exodus chapter 3, where God calls Moses and he says, this is your mission. And it took some persuading, but eventually Moses got on board and they're headed, Moses and his family are literally headed back to Israel or back to Egypt to fulfill God's call on his life, which is to lead the Israelites out of slavery. After hundreds of years of bondage, Moses is coming to lead them and set them free. It always is one of those moments that it's easy to pass over. But in Exodus chapter 4, we read that they're on the way. And one night, the angel of the Lord comes and is prepared to take Moses' life. And wait a minute. God just went to this whole burning bush rigmarole to get his attention and talk him into leading. And now God says, "Eh, I'm done with you. Very, very briefly, we read that it was because Moses had not taken care of spiritual business. And his wife, Zipporah, jumps up and pulls his bacon out of the fire. And the rest, as they say, is history. He goes back, he leads the Israelites, and leads them in the wilderness for years to the very brink of entering the promised land. Just a few sentences there, but Zipporah changes the course of history. She led like a woman. A few pages later, there's a period in the life of the people of Israel where they didn't have the best of leadership. And they were in this cycle of a leader would step up, and then as soon as that leader was gone, the people are off the rails again. Kind of like parents when we leave and the kids run amok while we're gone. Not that that happens to any of you. 
Not that any of us got in a lot of trouble when we were younger because that happened. But anyway, we read in the midst of this cycle of poor choices rescued by a leader called a judge. They weren't judges like you and I think of them. They were kind of like governors or overseers. There's this crazy cycle. And in Judges chapter 4, we read that the nation, the people of Israel, are once again off the rails. And they've been taken into slavery by another group of people. And in Judges chapter 4, we read that of all people, who steps up to lead them out of that mess? Deborah, a woman. I hope we will be inspired, regardless of our gender, to understand there are times it is important for us to lead like a woman. One of the most preached on women on Mother's Day is Hannah. And again, the story of Hannah we read in 1 Samuel. But again, this is kind of after this period of judges and and God is saying, I've got to have a leader. I need somebody to step up and really get these people on track. And God chooses to start from scratch. And there's a woman named Hannah and she is desperate to have a child. To the point that she would go to, to the priest when they would make their annual pilgrimage, and, and she, would just, she was just distraught. She was we, distraught. She was weeping to the point that he thought she was probably intoxicated. And he says, shame on you for coming in front of me and you're drunk. And she says, no, no, I'm not, I'm not drunk. I just desperately want a child. And, and basically, if you will give me a child, I will raise him <clears throat> To serve you and serve you only. And God answered that prayer. And she kept her promise. She literally raised him, weaned him, and as soon as he was old enough, she took him and left him with the priest. And said, I want you to train him to be a mighty man of God. And every year she would take him supplies. But that young boy grew up to be Samuel who led the nation of Israel for many, many years in a remarkable fashion. So again, yes, it was a male-dominated culture, but we see women leading in ways that are true to a woman's heart, and we see them making a difference. In the New Testament, we read about the 12 apostles, and we read about all the great stuff they did and they got to be a part of. But if you read the New Testament at all, especially in the Gospels, you understand that just barely behind the scenes, there's a very consistent core group of women who were clearly influencers operating just outside of the spotlight. We're told in the the Gospels that they provided financial support. Again, I, I trust I'm not the only one. You know, whenever an idea comes my way, i got to confess, how much is it going to cost? Am I the only one? Huh? And so, so we've got these, these itinerant ministers who are traveling around for weeks and weeks and weeks, and I'm thinking, who's paying the bills? Obviously, God provided sometimes in miraculous ways, but we read in the, in the Gospels, 
that many times it was these women who had means who were providing financial support. They were providing logistical support. And again, the most notable that we looked at a few weeks ago, who was it? Who was it that was closest to the foot of the cross? It was the women. Who was it that was first to the tomb when the Sabbath was over? It was the women. And then the other most likely woman to be preached on on Mother's Day, Mary, the mother of Christ. From prior to conception to the ascension, she had her fingers in the ministry of Christ in a most remarkable fashion. As only a mom could get away with, I think. I, I hope I hope you don't see me as being sexist. But there's that story where Jesus is not yet on the radar. And he's in that at that wedding celebration, remember? And they run out of wine, which apparently is a grave mistake at a wedding celebration. And Jesus is just there as a guest. And his mother comes to him. And some of you moms, I know I'm describing you. All right. His mother comes to him and she says, son, they've run out of wine. And he says, just, just picture this. And he says, mom, it's not my time yet. Not my circus, not my monkeys. It's not my time. All right? And what does she do? She turns to some servants near them and says, do whatever he tells you. She didn't hear him say no at all. <laughs> just, just take care of it. Lead like a woman. During my sabbatical reading last summer, I noticed that the same was true in significant moments in church history. I did a lot of reading regarding a period called the Great Awakening. And there were preachers like George Whitfield and John Wesley and others who were traveling around drawing huge crowds and seeing tens of thousands of people committing to Christ, literally changing not the church but changing culture. I was surprised when I read that behind the scenes, it was often women from all socioeconomic classes who were the first to respond and who were the ones who were providing significant quantities of financial support. In the aristocracy, many of the men were too cool and thought they had too much to lose to chase after these itinerant preachers who were causing all the stir. But there were women of means who said, Oh no, this is the real deal, and we will invest heavily in what they're doing. Lead like a woman. I suspect some of you have noticed in your experience within the local Christian church, that there's often consistent leadership provided by women in official and unofficial roles. I've told you before that I grew up in a small country church, and the leadership board 
because my dad served on it for a period. The leadership board were all men. But go to those board meetings was all they did. The women did everything else. I was a teen before I ever had a male Sunday school teacher. Because the women did it all. I think when the men had a men's breakfast, the women even cooked it and sent it with them. So kudos to our guys. I was just afraid we'd blow it. I don't know. But anyway, you've seen it. The same observation could be made regarding many households. While we may call men the head of the household, when it comes to spiritual decisions, Wives, in many cases, are at the very least on equal footing, if not the ones actually driving the process. Pause, take a breath, all right? Please hear me well. It is not my intent in any way to absolve men of our responsibility to step up and be spiritual leaders. But today... I hope to inspire and encourage the women present to lead on. Lead on because you are leaders and your leadership matters. And I'm going to talk about some crucial areas. I read a study recently by the Barna Study Group, and they did an expansive study on households of faith. And this is one of the blurbs they have as part of it. It says, in a recent study of practicing that self-professed Christian homes, mothers more often than fathers or any other category of frequent participants in households are seen as confidence, confidants, providers of support, and drivers of spiritual formation. I'm going to show you a bunch of statistics What I want you to see will be painfully obvious. And again, guys, your day's coming, but it's not today. All right? Ladies, this is questions they ask teens. But I do have, I'm not a mom, never been a mom, never going to be a mom. But I have a lot of life experience. They were asking teens, but I don't think these numbers change any if you talk about children and you talk about young children and you talk about adult children. So they, they asked them some questions. Teens, one-on-one household time with various household members. And you see the, the, the colors. You've got mom, you've got sibling, you've got dad, you've got grandparent, friend, other relative, other non-relative. So when they asked teens, um, a percentage you've done this in the past, excuse me, in the past month, have you had dinner together with any of these people? Moms, way out in front, all right? Over 80% had said they'd had dinner with moms. Dad were kind of, dads were lagging a bit behind, and we got all kinds of excuses, but that's another day, all right? Uh, same, same group, we talk about God and faith. Uh, 70% will round off. 70% said they'd had a conversation with mom in the past month about faith or God. Dads, again, man, it looks like maybe 15 percentage points behind. All right, moms, ladies, you matter. Understand, hear me well. 
uh, we pray together. Again, uh, mom's looking like you know, maybe 65%. Dad's back at maybe 55%. So again, moms, you're out there. It's you. Lead on. Where teens get support. Percentage of teens who say they are most likely to go to this member of their household or extended household for. All right? So if they're looking for encouragement, <laughs> I'm sorry, what are we looking at? 20 percentage points different? Huh? If I need to kick in the pants, I'll go to dad. If I need encouragement, I'm going to go to mom. That's my paraphrase there. But it, friends, that, that's huge. I, I hope you get how important you are. Looking for advice. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, I'm embarrassed. Um, ladies, understand how important you are. Now, you may feel they don't listen to your advice. It may break your heart that they don't listen. All right? It is what it is. All right? Sympathy. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> or we're almost dead last. But anyway. Um, guys, just so you know, I'm not talking about this on Father's Day, so don't stay away thinking I'm going to come back at you. All right? Just, all right. But, but ladies, understand how incredibly important you are. Who teens talk to? Questions about faith? They're going to talk to mom. 20 percentage points is my guesstimate there. That's huge. At least dads are second there. But um, understand, just because you don't think they're listening and just because you don't see the change your heart longs to see, Understand you matter. I know, moms, I know many of you, and I know you determine how you feel about your role as a woman based on the results. But you matter, regardless of what results you see. Something bothers you. Something bothers them, a teen. Moms, just... Light years ahead. Who teens talk to about the Bible? Dads, we close the gap a little bit, but ladies, understand how much you matter. Where teens receive spiritual guidance and encouragement. Percentage of teens who say this member of their household or extended household does the following to share about their faith. Encourages to go to church. Almost 100% of them said, Mom, dads, we're back at 80%. Who decides we're going? Ladies, you matter. Encourages me in other ways. You can see it. I don't need to read it to you. Sets an example. Moms, you matter. I get that I get when you don't see the fruit it's hard to keep tending the tree but it matters and i need you to know that
talks with me about God's forgiveness. Moms. Teaches me about the Bible. Moms. You don't need to have a degree in the Bible to point people to the Bible or life's challenges. Ladies, you matter. And I encourage you to feel empowered and to lead like a woman. Dan and I had a brief conversation this morning. As I've said on numerous occasions in the past, I always feel inadequate and uncomfortable speaking on Mother's Day because I'm in no way qualified to give women advice, nor can I fully comprehend the challenges faced by women, regardless of their age or situation in life. I am always fearful that even with the best of intentions, I'm unwittingly going to step on a landmine when I stand up here and open my mouth on Mother's Day and say something that is hurtful to one of my female listeners. If I've done so today, please know I'm truly sorry. My desire is for you to feel encouraged and uplifted. Lest any of you feel overwhelmed by the significance of the role you play, I want to move toward closing with some devotional thoughts. Um, many of you are familiar with it. I know some of the ladies have done studies with Lisa Tierkust. Not sure if I say her name right, but you know who I'm talking about. Um, I happened to get a devotional from her. I have no idea why. Um, but she wrote three things every mom should know. I can't say this, but she's a woman, she's a wife, she's a mother, she's an author, she's a speaker, she's a leader. She's had her tough times on every front. So I think she has far more credibility on the subject than I do. Um, It's specifically addressed to mothers, but I believe it has application to anyone who wants to fight like a girl, or lead like a woman. So I'm going to read it direct. I don't often do this. I just want you to soak this in. Three things every mom should know. Being a mom is a high honor and one of the most precious gifts in my life. At the same time, being a mom is tough. It's tough when your children are tiny, and there are still tough days when you're like me, and your children are all grown. One of the hardest things about motherhood for me has always been my tendency to blame myself for the wrong choices my kids have made. The second hardest thing is trying to figure out the right way to help them navigate their issues, especially when you're hyper aware that the situation your child is in carries great consequences. Deep is the sorrow of the mother who feels helpless. Thankfully, God knows what it's like to deal with wayward children. He feels our pain, he knows our sorrow, and he knows exactly how to encourage us through his word. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 12 tells us, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. 
For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Based on this truth, here are three things mamas should know. Number one, God does not call us to find a power within ourselves to overcome the issues we face with our kids. He calls us to put on his armor because we are facing a battle of epic proportions. And his weapons aren't silly little spiritual suggestions that might or might not work. His weapons are certain. His belt of truth. I must park <clears throat> I must park my runaway mind in the assurance of God's love for me and for my child. His breastplate of righteousness. I must stop reacting to the flesh and choose to battle this with my praises and prayers. His gospel of peace. I must walk in the assurance and peace that even when I can't see things changing, God is working on my child's behalf. His shield of faith. I must have faith in God's timing and his ways. The helmet of salvation. I must trust God's ultimate desire for my children is for them to have a close relationship with him. Though a situation might seem like an unlikely part of his process, God will bring good out of it. His sword, which is the Bible. I must read God's love letter to me every day and hold those truths as the lifeline between God's security and my shaky heart. His gift of prayer. I must see prayer not as a last resort, but as the very thing God most God's most courageous warriors turn to first. Ephesians 6, 13 through 18 assure us that with these in place, we'll be able to stand as we use them to tap in to a power beyond ourselves. Number two, the battle isn't against our child and their choices. It often feels like the battle is against our child. In reality, the battle is against Satan's schemes. There will be some battles we face with our kids that seem impossible to win because Satan twists the truth. He hides consequences. He blinds reality. He has schemes perfectly designed with our weaknesses in mind. Therefore, we have to battle Satan. He is the real enemy here. And because we are Jesus girls, we hold the power for victory in our praises and prayers to God. Number three. The battle is taking place in the heavenly realms. Oh, how I want to fight my kids' battles with what I can see, but that simply isn't enough. So I must fight with the only thing that I can reach into, that I have that can reach into the heavenly realm, my praise and prayers. Praise God for, for who, praise for who God is and prayers for him to move, remove Satan's influence in a situation. If you want to make a note, if ever I'm tempted to doubt how powerful praise and prayers are in battle, a quick read of Second Chronicles chapter 20, verses 1 through 27, soothes this mama's heart. It is an amazing story of God's people feeling overwhelmed in the face of a vast army. 
But when they begin to sing and praise God, their enemy is defeated. Prayers to God and praises for God to re- <clears throat> and praises for God to release the power of God. What bridged the gap between them feeling powerless and experiencing victory were praises and prayers. And this, and this is this and it's the same for us. I can't fully explain it, but I can proclaim it. Our prayers and our praises are powerful and effective. Yes, being a mom is tough, but we aren't alone. God understands the struggle of parenting children who get off track. And since God is God, the perfect parent has dealt with this since the beginning of time. I think his is the best advice around. Pray with me. Father, Father God, thank you so much that you have perfectly equipped me, that you have perfectly equipped women to do battle for their children. I'm going to start again, ladies, just in your heart. Pray this in the first person. Father God, thank you so much that you have perfectly equipped me to do battle for my children. Today, I lift my prayers and my praises up to you, believing for a mighty victory in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. This time, just kind of as a way to wrap this part of our service up, uh, there's a short video um, that I want you to watch. Um, it just seemed like an incredibly fitting way to, to draw this portion of, of my teaching to a close. So just, just relax and enjoy it. Today is Mother's Day, and we want to acknowledge all the women we're blessed to know. We rejoice over you, for your strength, your wisdom, your strong love, your beautiful faith. Whether today is a celebration for you or a day of quiet reflection and healing, we're thinking of all of you. If you gave birth this year to your first child, our joy overflows and we celebrate with you. If you adopted a child this year or became a foster parent, we rejoice with you and we want to honor you in your commitment to changing the lives of children. If you continue to struggle with infertility, We are hoping with you and holding your hand in prayer. If you are exhausted and feeling underappreciated for all you do for a house full of kids, we applaud you. We love you and we appreciate you more than you can ever imagine. And if you lost a child this year to death or miscarriage, we weep and mourn with you. And if your child is lost, addiction or to the world we hurt with you and we join you in putting our hope in the one who brings prodigals home if you live with painful memories of your mom we pray that you will find in a spiritual mother all that you never had from a birth mom and if you're one of those amazing spiritual moms we thank you for stepping up and being there when others couldn't If you're experiencing an empty nest for the first time this year, we walk with you in this new season and are excited about the next chapter God has planned for you. If you're single, we celebrate your strength, beauty, and individuality. 
and join with you in praying for the desires of your heart. If you're a single mom and wonder if you have the physical energy, financial resources to raise and provide for your child or children, we want to help you, and we will. And if you're pregnant for the first time, we prayerfully anticipate with you the joyful birth of a healthy child. And to all the special women on this Mother's Day, rest and delight in knowing that we are thankful for you. And we celebrate each and every one of you. <laughs>